0: please visit our website at concordunited.org. There's a
1: debate raging silently underneath the
0: surface in our culture
1: about the life of Jesus. And the question is, does the life of Jesus provide us the greatest love story ever told, or does it provide the greatest love story ever sold? Uh, There are those who look at the history of the church uh, from the time when Emperor Constantine uh, decided he would paint the sign of the cross on the shields of the same emperor, empire soldiers who crucified that Savior, uh, that they might aggressively conquer in his name, Uh, to the current Russian Orthodox Church, which fully supports the war in Ukraine and believes that God is guiding Russia to expand its empire, to the American Church, uh, where the conservative expression has often placed allegiance to the Republican Party above allegiance to the biblical narrative, and the liberal expression of Christianity in our country has often and done the same with the Democratic Party, and they say, is this Jesus really a love story, or is it just a useful narrative for people with ulterior motives? And then there are people, like many in this room, who have found our lives encountered, transformed, and changed by Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit And we have seen his name often abused and misused, but that in no way deters our faith and our knowledge of what he's done for us, our belief in what he's done doing in the world. For we believe uh, that he provides us not just the greatest love story ever told, but the greatest love story ever lived. And our desire is to allow the Holy Spirit to work through us so that in some way our lives might be used uh, to, live, to livingly tell the story uh, that Jesus' life told. Uh, to do this, we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to do it through us. So we invite you to start each day seeking the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit through our Bible reading and prayer plan. Uh, If you're not already reading your Bible and praying every day, in a world uh, that gives us so many narratives other than God's work, for what's really guiding our world, I invite you to start by connecting to God. You can find our Grow Through the Bible reading plan at concordunited.org slash Bible, or you can pick up a copy at the information center in the lobby. Uh, if you go to the website, concordunited.org slash Bible, you can also find a daily devotion in email or podcast form that's gonna help you think a little more deeply about the scripture and give you a focus for your prayers each day. It's important that we start our day with what's really important to us. And as we seek to live our lives as people who know through our own experience uh, that Jesus provides the greatest story, love story ever told, ever lived, and that it's the one, the, the true story of his life. Not the story of what he's been used to say, but the story of what he really says to our souls is the story that our world needs the most what we find uh, is that if, if we really believe that, uh, then we need to find ways to talk about it. Because the simple truth of the matter is we talk about what we care about. It's obvious in in daily life. Uh, Some of you know next Saturday is the Camp Wesley Woods, one of our local United Methodist camps. It's the Camp Wesley Woods uh, Trail Hike and Race. If you'd like to be a part of it, just Google Wesley Woods Trail Hike. It'll take you right to the website. You'll see all how to do it. Uh, But I've I've had the blessing of being up there working on the trails recently, making sure they're in, in good shape. And we went up, and I don't know if you know this, but just this winter, it rained a little, just, just a little. In fact, it rained so much that uh, we got our trustees here at the church together and we proposed altering our plans for our current campus so that we could do a new building campaign to build an ark. Um, they rejected that proposal. Uh, however, I do want to tell you it's been our dream for about two decades now to have additional space for children and preschool here at the church as well as additional space for our kids ministry uh, day, during the week, during the day for those uh, struggling with, with dementia and memory issues, uh, often in their older age. And we're having a church council meeting on February 21st to discuss those plans. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock. Everyone is invited in the Methodist world, in the church council, church council members can vote every member of the church is invited and can speak. So we would encourage you uh, to, to come to that. But it's, the point is, it's rained a lot. And when it rains a lot, this thing happens in the woods, trees fall down. The ground gets soft, trees fall down. And we went and we checked out the trails at Wesley Woods and we discovered that there were a lot of trees on those trails and that some of our participants would have trouble getting over them if we didn't have a chainsaw crew. And I know just enough about chainsaws to be dangerous. And I looked at the trees and I knew it was a bigger job than I could take on on my own. So I called Jane Curran. And I said, Jane, I need some chainsaw folks. Can can you make some recommendations? And, And she gave me two names. She said, Steve Lewis and Dennis Friedel, you need to call those guys. They like to chainsaw. And I was nervous about calling because I'm asking them, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm gonna give you the opportunity to get up before the crack of dawn in sub-freezing temperatures, uh, to uh, cut uh, difficult trees, uh, and then the back-breaking work of moving the the, the logs afterwards. Uh, You know, so I called to, to give them this opportunity. And it was amazing, they they both said, we're in, we're we're in. Thank you for asking us, we've been waiting for an opportunity like this. Uh, And uh, then I had another man in the church named Pete Lloyd and uh, he heard about it and he came by my office and he said, Will, I hear there's chainsaw work. (laughs) When do we start? And the, these guys just, just loved what they do, and, and they're, they're, they're incredibly good at it. And, and we went out this week, and, and what the work they did was just amazing to make the trails accessible to, to so many more people than they would have been otherwise. And I just couldn't believe how much they knew how to do and how hard they worked. And I, I was on a trail uh, with Pete. Pete, uh, Pastor Brooke, who, by the way, is one of our expert trail leaders, if you'd like to hike with her next uh, Saturday, she'd love to hike with you. Um, She she went on a trail uh, with Steve and Dennis, and and I was there with Pete, and I began to watch how he'd cut these trees. Uh, And I remember thinking, this is how I'd do it, and he never did it that way. (laughs) And it always worked out really well. Uh, So finally, I began asking him, how'd you learn? What do you think? And he began... I mean, it was amazing. I asked one question, how'd you learn? Uh, and he gave me a 30 or 45 minute master course on his thought process and how you figure out if a branch, uh, what side of a branch is under tension and what side is under compression uh, and, and where you cut and how you prepare to cut and how you think about h- how the, the tree falls and, and all, all these things. And it, it was just amazing. And it was one question that sparked it because he cared. He cared. He cared about it, so he talked about it, right? We talk about the things we care about. I I was reminded of that this past fall. I had the opportunity kind of late in the season uh, to take my children to a football game at Neyland Stadium. And it was the first time in a while I'd gotten to sit at a game uh, with my youngest son, uh, who is second grade. And he'd been watching the games on TV and he knew, he knew kind of the players and, and the team. And then we get to the game, and I had no idea. He knew every player. And every time they made a play, he had a comment for them about it. And he, he had thoughts about what plays were called and, and what, what plays weren't called and how certain things went. And he felt like sharing these thoughts with our section uh, that, that we were sitting with And then they would announce other scores on on the loudspeakers. And he knew those teams. And he had thoughts about those teams and which of those teams we really needed to lose for the sake of our team. And by the end of the game, everybody in our section knew him, right? Um, my, My favorite part is when Tennessee would score a touchdown, he would stand up and say, that's the Tennessee I know, that's the Tennessee I know. He had invitations to go to the Orange Bowl from families we don't know <laughs> just for him to travel with them and provide comment, commentary and comedy. He cared about it. I asked him how he knew so much when we got home. He said, Dad, I think about it all the time. You talk about what you care about. Well, it's the same way with our faith. We find that in the book of Acts. In the, in the book of Acts, we see the story of Philip. Uh, Philip, a, a disciple of Christ, and the Holy Spirit works in Philip's life and calls him to share about Jesus uh, with a man uh, who's from another country. In fact, a very important man from another country. Uh, this man is an official uh, in, from Ethiopia. He, he like part of their cabinet, uh, an official in the court of the queen of Ethiopia. And he travels through Israel. Philip encounters him, and the Holy Spirit inspires Philip to share about what Philip cares the most about, the life of Jesus. Uh, I want you to, to hear what happens. We're picking up in chapter 8 of the book of Acts with verse 26. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to his chariot and join him. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? Uh, he replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. So there's a lot going on here. This Ethiopian official, uh, we're told, was a eunuch. What, what that means is at a very early age, his body was mutilated uh, so that he would no longer uh, be a threat to women in the royal Court and because and yet, because he went through that abuse uh, and mutilation, uh, he also ultimately rose uh, to in essence Secretary of the Treasury, uh, a very powerful and privileged position in that country and what we see there in his life is that Jesus cares for and Jesus loves both the oppressed and the privileged, both those who have have been abused and those who have great power. Uh, Jesus cares for, for both these people. We also see that he was an Ethiopian, meaning he would have had extremely dark skin Uh, We find that that Philip, most likely, uh, coming as a Jewish person, would have had olive skin. We find that skin color has no determination on Jesus' love uh, for people or the place Jesus sees people serving in his church throughout the world. We also see in this Ethiopian official that he was someone who who because of what had physically been done to him would have been considered by the Jewish leaders to be unclean. He went to the temple to worship, but there were parts of the temple that because of uh, what had happened to his body, he could not enter because he was unclean. And yet he's searching for God. He's searching for God. And Philip sees and notices uh, this search. He notices he's reading the prophet Isaiah and Philip says to him, do you understand what you are reading? Uh, how, and he says, how can I? How, how can I? Uh, he has this sense of God. Uh, he's even traveled a long way to, to seek God, but he doesn't really know this God he's seeking. He doesn't really understand these scriptures he's reading. And, and then there's Philip to simply ask the question, do you understand? We know people like the Ethiopian official. We call them spiritual but not religious they're seeking, but maybe they weren't raised in a Christian family, not raised in church, or, or maybe they were raised in an expression of Christianity uh, that came with it certain things that they just couldn't accept, that didn't seem to be telling them uh, the greatest love story ever lived. Uh, and so uh, they are looking for this God, but when they hear the name of Jesus, uh, they're, not, they're not sure what they're hearing or, or what to do with it. We also uh, look at Philip. Uh, and we see that Philip uh, felt led to go down this road. And he wasn't told why initially. In fact, I'm not sure he's ever told why by God. He just recognizes God's sensing. Sometimes you have that sense that I'm supposed to go here or I'm supposed to talk to this person. And that can be the Holy Spirit working in us, saying, I'm sending you to to share with this person. Because what we find is that the Holy Spirit sends Christians to those who need Christ. You may not have known it, but that moment uh, when you said, Jesus, I trust you to forgive my sins, to live in me, Uh, I trust you for eternal life. Uh, Part of that was also Jesus saying to you, and now I trust you to use your life to tell the story about me. To those who still don't know, uh, to, tho- to those for whom I'm still an idea in their head, not a presence in their heart. I, I trust you to, to use your life. And sometimes the Holy Spirit gives us those nudges. And thankfully, Philip responded to, to one of those nudges at this time. And he, Philip doesn't run up and say, hey, let me tell you what you need to know. Philip says, do you understand? Do you understand what you're reading? The man says, no and invites Philip to help him interpret. Now, we're going to pick back up with verse 32. Now, the passage of the Scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb, silent before its shears, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom may I ask you? does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? Somehow, when this Ethiopian official First, hears the story of Jesus. He recognizes immediately that it is relevant to his life. That is not just an interesting story. It's not like going to a movie and going, oh, I liked it or I didn't like it. Uh, it's it's not like that. It, it's a story that he realizes he either has to accept or reject. It's a story uh, that can either claim and guide his life or one that he must explicitly turn away from. It's not one he can be indifferent towards because of how Jesus connects to his life. And imagine what it must have been like for him when he read those words and then he heard that they were talking about Christ. Remember, it, it said, Uh, It talks about how justice was denied him, uh, about how he was abused. Well, as a young person, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch, he'd also been abused. Uh, He'd had his body uh, just grossly mistreated, and Jesus did too. And he understood that Jesus got him, that Jesus could understand where he's been. And he uh, understood uh, that Jesus, through his sacrifice, was able to offer him this fullness of life that wasn't a- available any- anywhere else. Uh, Philip didn't force that upon him. Philip just told him the story and he realized it. And sometimes we, you, you can listen to certain people talk about sharing Christ and you can wonder, do, is what we're called to do go out there and sell Jesus? No, we don't have to sell Jesus. Jesus is the most relevant person to ever live all we have to do is help people get to know what Jesus did in ancient Galilee and what he's done in our lives. And the Holy Spirit guides us in helping us do that. And then the Holy Spirit will guide them in how they respond. And some of them will respond to the nudgings of the Holy Spirit and some won't. Uh, but it's the Holy Spirit's work. We don't have to make Jesus cool or do, go overboard to make him relevant. Sometimes you hear in church that you need all these to do all these things to make Jesus culturally relevant, you need, you need to be cool. You need to be up to date with the absolute latest trends. You need a pastor who wears $500 sneakers, you know, and skinny jeans. God, I'm glad those are out of style. Um, that, that's, that's a difficult period in our nation's history, and we're, we're moving on from it. Uh, but you didn't ask me to be a, your uh, stylistic consultant today, so I'll move on. But we, we don't have to do that. All we have to do is talk about what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing. What Jesus did in ancient Galilee, what Jesus is doing in our lives. Uh, we, we know that. No, no one's going to be attracted to Jesus because he's cool. They're going to be attracted to Jesus because he's real. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend once. still have the, this friend. But he got to be about 30 years old. And several of us decided that it was time for an intervention. Now, he wasn't drinking uh, he wasn't drugging. Uh, he wasn't womanizing. But there was this thing going on in his life that, that needed to stop. It was affecting his life detrimentally. And particularly it was uh, affecting our conception of, of his ability to, to gain a wife or, or lack thereof. He was still trying to be cool. He, he was 30 years old. And he was still trying to be cool like we did when we were 15. I wasn't very good at it at 15. And we got together... And one of our friends said, buddy, I just need you to know, cool is over. Cool's over. In your case, it might have never been. But if it was, it's over now. But don't worry. There's still a lot of goodness in life. You just don't have to worry about being cool all the time anymore. We don't have to worry about making Jesus cool. We just have to help people uh, understand how he's real, what he's done, what, what he's doing. He himself is the most relevant person to ever live. Now, continuing with the story of the Ethiopian official with verse 38. Uh, The official commanded the chariot to stop. And both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down to the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. So this is, this is what happens. The, the official is, is baptized. He immediately recognizes, I need to respond. He's baptized by Philip, and then the Spirit sends Philip somewhere else to continue telling the story. And Philip responds, and the official goes on his way rejoicing because he has found this life. He has found uh, that there's someone who respects him uh, even though he's been abused and there's someone uh, who has a use for him and a way that he can use the power he's gained uh, to worship and, and to, to serve God. Uh, we find that, that he, he does all this. And what we see is that this wasn't just a momentary thing. He'd been looking for God and now he had the chance to find the God who he was looking for. Uh, friends, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit softens the hearts of those who hear the gospel. The Holy, you might remember this from your life. I, I imagine many of you can remember when Jesus really became real for you. Not just someone you believed in in your head, but someone who lived within your heart. And you might look back at that time in your life And you might not be able to rationally say exactly why it took place at that moment, but somehow the Holy Spirit had been working on you, softening your heart, preparing you for that moment when you could receive this this great gift. In John Wesley's life, John Wesley, the founder of the the Methodist movement, it took the Holy Spirit a lot of work to soften his heart. He was an ordained pastor before he ever accepted Christ in his heart. Uh, He had to become an abject failure as a young adult, and almost lose his life in a boat wreck or a shipwreck in order to finally accept Christ in his heart. Maybe he started the Methodist Church to help us not have to go th- through what he went through. I'm, I'm glad going on a wooden ship across the ocean wasn't part of my faith journey. Um, but we find that we don't, we don't have to convince people, coerce them, what we have to do is simply share Christ, offer Christ. The Holy Spirit will, will do that work. For me, when I first entered into pastoral ministry, I thought there was something about me that I just had to, if I could just say it better, if I could just somehow get the words right, that, pe- that people would accept more. And when I realized that it wasn't about me, uh, that I didn't have to somehow create a platform on which to present Jesus in a certain way all I had to do was simply say what he'd done and what he's done and what he's doing and try my best with my life what we all try to do uh, to share that with not just our words but also our actions that the holy spirit would do the rest suddenly sharing Jesus became something I was as excited about as Pete was to tell me about chainsaw or, or more so, or as my son was, to, to talk about the athletic event, uh, because there was no pressure anymore. It, just joy. Joy of what God was doing. Joy of, of what God would do. And if the world has ever needed Christians, if a culture has ever needed Christians to exhibit that joy, certainly ours does right now. What we find right now in our culture, because of how politicized even faith has become, many people who are not Christian, don't associate Christ uh, with healing and uh, helping the poor, uh, with teaching and lifting up those in need uh, and helping others connect to God. Uh, Many of them uh, associate him with political beliefs that they can't stand uh, and beliefs that, from their viewpoint, they would even classify as hate. And so a group of Christians got together and they began asking a question, They began asking a question of how did the greatest love story become known as a hate group? How did this ever happen in our culture? And if you want to know how it happened, I've got some great books I'd be happy to recommend to you. As you know, I'm a former history major. I'm going to spare you the 90-minute lecture this morning um, because I love you. But it's what's happened. And so the question is what could we do? And they said, we've got to find a way to connect people back to Jesus, not to some politicized version of Christianity, but to Jesus. And they created a campaign you may have seen on on TV or on the Internet called He Gets Us, where they simply help people see that Jesus understands their life and what they're going through. And they created two ads that are going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, And so when you go to your Super Bowl parties, you're going to have a chance to talk about Jesus you're going to have a chance to, to share him when, when these ads come on. Now, I, I wanted them to let me show you the ads to give you a sneak preview. I contacted them. Somehow they didn't see the value in that. I don't know why they wouldn't release them early for Concord United Methodist. I kind of think of it as a mover and shaker uh, in the community. But they did tell us what they'll be about. In the first half, there's going to be an advertisement with a little girl and a big dog. And that's just a recipe for success, right? Little girl, big dog, it's going to be about God's unconditional love. In the second half, there's going to be a commercial about a car accident. And it's going to be about choosing love and forgiveness when we get into conflict rather than revenge and resentment. and and how Jesus understands when when we're in conflict like you might be in if you're arguing about whose fault a car accident is. And you don't have to to go in to uh, everybody at your Super Bowl party and you don't have have to say, uh, uh, you know, uh, that uh, you don't have to just stand up and give your testimony during halftime and then say that everybody needs to join you the next week at 11 a.m. at Concord United Methodist Church. But if you do, we have a special parking spot for you No, all you have to do is say, what do you think about that commercial with the girl and the big dog? What do you think about that commercial with the car wreck in it? And let people begin talking. And then as the conversation goes, talk about what you care about. Now, whether you're going to watch the Super Bowl with a group of people or not, whether you ever see one of these commercials or not, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, then you've also accepted that your life needs to be about telling this story. And the Holy Spirit will guide you and give you those nudges. And I want to encourage you to respond to those nudges of the Holy Spirit when you have the opportunity to share with someone uh, who needs to know what Jesus has done, what Jesus is doing. Now, I imagine there are some of you here who you're hearing about this and you're thinking about what you think about Jesus in your head and you're hearing about Jesus becoming real in your heart and you're thinking that hasn't happened for me yet. And I want you to know there were many years when I came to church and that hadn't happened for me yet either. But I want you to know that if you'll come to this communion station and you'll hold out your hands and you will say, Jesus, I want to follow and serve you. I want you to become real in my heart. I believe with everything in me that Jesus will send the Holy Spirit and I answer that prayer. And he may send the Holy Spirit to answer that prayer right now. And this might be the moment when you have that experience. Or in his wisdom, he may continue softening your heart until a time when you can have that experience in God's timing. uh, So that uh, it can guide your life in the way God desires. I had that experience in my life about five years after I first started intentionally seeking it. I don't know, but I know he will work in his miraculous way, through his Holy Spirit, so that uh, you can come to know the greatest love story ever lived, uh, the story in which we all find our own story. Let's pray for that together. Gracious God, we come before you today. We thank you for sending your son to live the greatest love story. May our lives be nothing more and nothing less then lived to tell this story. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.